If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. There is no reason to engage in a non-reciprocal chase. I don't care how amazing you think that other person is. By chasing somebody that is showing you that they don't want to be with you, you are self-abandoning your wants, needs, and desires to get somebody else to validate you. And instead of trying to get somebody else to give you the love that you are so desperately craving for, start to give that to yourself. That way you can learn to trust yourself, rebuild your self-worth, save yourself from whatever you are trying to get somebody else to save you from. That way, the next time you see somebody that's inconsistent or unavailable, you get turned off versus turned on by the chase. You're frightening me. Her, something about her pace and tone is, is off-putting. That's a thing these days, that your TikTok videos or whatever, they have to be edited like that. So they're coming to you so incredibly fast. That's good advice she gave, mostly. Uh, I felt like there was some good stuff in there. That was a dating coach, allegedly, about how to handle when people ghost you. Can you play at least the first part of that? She used a term I'd never heard before. There is no reason to engage in a non-reciprocal chase. I don't care how amazing you think that other person is. By chasing somebody that is... A non-reciprocal chase, which I have engaged in before. And I've been on the other end. I've been on both ends of the non-reciprocal chase. And it is always a waste of time and painful. Um, If it's in a song or a movie, it's very romantic and generally successful. In real life, it's more a stalkery, and you'll get a restraining order. Well, even aside from that, I'm not aware of times when it has worked out to anybody's benefit. So uh, don't engage in a non-reciprocal chase. If they're not interested or you're not interested, it's that unfortunate and painful and awful. Trust me, I know, but... Man, you're getting nothing out of that. Just tell yourself it's just chemistry. It's a, it's mysterious. Don't take it personally. Or tell That's yourself. It's hard to do. Or tell yourself you're deeply flawed, and if only you'd have done this one thing different, everything would have been okay. 
It's another way to approach it. Yeah. <laughs> if only you had done this one. Th- if you'd only not said this one thing, everything would phrased it slightly differently. We'd be together forever. <laughs> but I blew it. <laughs> is that what the song Losing My Religion is about? Mm, no, it's not. I've always thought well, that's it's what about, it was about. It's about having a crush on somebody and, and being so freaked out when you're around them. You don't know how to act. Okay. So it's kind of similar. Yeah. 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 Oh, no, I said too much. Just like, oh, no, I, I didn't say enough. I said too much. Ah, oh, damn it. Right. Similar. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, I see what you're driving at. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we got that. I got another. I got a couple of things here, all relationship related. This. Uh, are you prepared to be annoyed? Oh, boy. Set yourself for annoyed. You know, I wake up annoyed most days. So go ahead. I don't know how deep I'll get into this. I might save this for our podcast. I think I'll save this for the One More Thing podcast. I'll tell you the headline right now, though. I'm a couples therapist. Something new is happening in relationships. So she's been a couple therapist for years, and she said she's noticed. The ideas behind Black Lives Matter and hashtag MeToo are leading to breakthroughs at home. And it's all about how most couples, even though they're if they're unhappy or even if they think they're happy, Everybody's not recognizing their various privileges or systemic this or that. And it is one of the most annoying things I've ever heard in my life. Would you like to see me vomit? Do you want me to vomit? <laughs> it's it's hard to take, man. God dang it. So I'm supposed to deconstruct a relationship I'm in. Based on who has privilege. Like, I'll bet you don't spend near enough. Yeah, yeah, you and Jody, Judy should go to, or not Jody, unless you're seeing someone named Jody. Uh, you and Judy should go to this, <laughs> you and Judy should go to this couples counselor and have her explain to you how you are not at all acknowledging your, uh, probably patriarchy. Probably. Maleness. Yes. Maybe whiteness also, even though you're both white. Yes. Um, not acknowledging that at all in the relationship. I haven't really, no. See, I knew it. We're both white, like you said. I mean. Okay, well, you're not both male. No, no, I'm a straight fella is why. <laughs> no, we're both. So I should acknowledge, honey, I realize as the man, I've, I have privilege that you don't have, and therefore, can I do the dishes tonight? Yeah, listen to the one more thing today. You'll be amazed at the just, oh, it is so hard to take. Oh, boy. This is actually pretty good, I thought, or see what you think of it. When someone you love is upset, ask them this one question, and the setup was, uh, talking to lots of different therapists and going through different things and research, blah, 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 they think this is the one question you ask when somebody's really upset. So I thought, you know, I'll bite. And I thought it was actually pretty good. And I'm going to apply it the next time I need to, particularly with my son. Do you want to be helped, heard, or hugged? Oh. And they go through a description of each of those scenarios. Although I think if you're of even reasonable intelligence, you can figure out what they are. Helped, heard, or hugged? Wow, that is so good. Holy cow, that's good. You yeah, know how guys have the reputation of, you know, the wife will just want to tell them about their day, and the guy will say, well, we need to march in I, and tell I, Mr. Jones, I, blah, 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 blah. I, I do that. My wife does that. She does that. It's part of the reason we get along so well. She is such a dude. She's a cute girl and a dude. She's a unicorn. So you both jump right to the how do we solve this. 
Uh, I try not to anymore. After after watching Rob What's-His-Face's Defending the Caveman, which was so good, it was so brilliant the way it explains, she's not asking you for a game plan. She is, in the parlance of like cavewomen, she's telling you where her berries are. She's telling her, she's telling you I, what I she's where, experienced. I know where her berries are. It's no, no, see, you've turned it sick. You've turned, <laughs> I was trying to be an adult. <laughs> well, I, I like it because I feel like, uh, it depends on the situation. And even, even though the reputation, the book Mars are for, men are from Mars, women are from Venus from, these that book's 30 years old, but it was all about that. I think, Men and women have it at different degrees, but there are sometimes if I'm really upset about something, somebody jumping in with the solution right away makes me want to punch him in the freaking face. Right. Right. Let me vent for a while. I'm about just this. venting. Let me vent for a while about this really awful freaking thing happened. Later today, maybe later this week, we can get to the how we're going to handle it. But let me be pissed off or hurt or whatever for a while. Yeah. And I think I get to it later than a lot of women do or whatever on when, when you want to get around to that. Then do you want to be helped, heard, you just want to be listened, or do you need to be hugged? I never need to be hugged, but some other people need to be hugged sometimes. How charitable of you to allow the rest of us to go ahead and hug. <laughs> I actually yeah, had wow. a similar one, and I have a little bit of guilt over this, but I, it's true. I can't help it. It's just my emotion. Whenever I hit my head on something, which is way too often, or knee or whatever, my uh, my youngest son immediately says, are you okay? Which is nice, but yeah. it always makes me mad. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm angry. It, well, it's one of those things. Let me be angry at this door for a while that I just hit my head on before we get to the, yes, I'm okay. Boy, I, I can top that. And I, I explained it to him, and I said, you didn't do anything wrong. You were right to ask that. It's a good thing to ask that of people. I'm just telling you, in the future, if I hit my head, just give me a second before you jump in with the are you okay? Because right. it just right. makes me mad. And I felt like an idiot for saying that, but it's true. All right, I can top that. And again, it's the love of my life. I'll whack my head. She'll say, careful, be careful. <laughs> I've already taken a blow to my head. Now I know to be careful. It's too late. But then I found myself doing the same thing, and I thought it's just a natural yeah, human response. It it's a response of love and concern. It is. But careful. God, Henry, my bone is sticking out. Careful of what? <laughs> Henry took it to heart, though, and I was gentle about it. Yeah. And he took it to heart. So later yesterday, we're driving to the car. I take a drink of water and I do the old, it goes down the wrong pipe thing. And yeah. I mean, I sounded like I was going to die. I went into <laughs> gurgling and couldn't right. breathe, couldn't talk. He didn't say a word. And, uh, and I looked over me, said, I didn't say anything, but are you okay? <laughs> I said, That's awesome. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> As I was great. I'm, uh, I'm all, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, oh, that's such a bad feeling. I opened up the cupboard where I keep stuff, and I opened it up, and I bent down, and I didn't close the cupboard, and I came up hard and caught it on the corner. Oh, no. Oh, that freaking hurt. Oh, and then your bowling ball rolled off the top shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Michael. So what did your kids do when you fell on the trail nine times? Did they uh, just... Every time you fell, just leave them alone? That turned into a humor situation after, uh, like, number five or six. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, there he goes again. Kind <laughs> of like that, yeah. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I listened to a long podcast yesterday with some uh, AI experts and uh, an educator or two involved on how AI is going to lead to the end of homework and how schools are going to have to readjust the way they teach so many different things maybe structure the day, the lengths of the day, all kinds of different things. It's really going to disrupt schooling. And, uh, man, I didn't hear anything that I thought I don't think is going to happen. Writing papers is pretty much going to go away unless it's an in-classroom activity. It just Mm -hmm. can't exist in the world of artificial intelligence. It just it can't. There's no point in it. Also, uh, much of all, all mathematics homework will go away. From home, you could have it in the classroom, but you just you couldn't do it at home. Just be impossible. Show your work. Okay, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Happy to do it. Um, 
So, uh, with, with some, uh, some of the experts thinking that maybe there will, a good thing out of this will be more of an emphasis on reading and comprehension, uh, as that is homework you can give people is reading books and just, uh, and it's just funny. A whole bunch of the educators on this particular podcast, and I know, I'm thankful that a number of the teachers my kids have had also agree, and there have been studies that show this, that the homework boom of like the 90s was bad, unproductive, oh. waste of time, did more harm than good. And most people believe that now, and AI will just hurry the, the, the good riddance to a lot of homework that was not necessary anyway. Boy, my kids suffered through that, and that sucks. I, oh yeah, I, I remember thinking, how in the hell can a fourth grader have this much homework? Ridiculous, it's idiotic, absolutely ridiculous. It's funny, you know. Uh, it seems that every generation goes through uh, some tragedy of uh, redeveloping how to learn that sucks. And your kids did Some that. Some craze like, among educators, in short. Your yeah. kids did that. Uh, my kids are growing up in a world or going to school in a world where fourth and fifth grade teachers say, no, no, we don't do any homework, which I think is awesome. Um, uh, but then you got all the other new stuff that is happening in school. So you got that to go through. It's a different, sure. different challenge for different times, I guess. But, Gender bending crap. And what's the math? The funky math? The, common core math? Yeah. The, yeah. Common core math. Um, uh, do you see anything to disagree with there that there's going to have to be a major change in the way they do schoolwork? I mean, I, I think like major, like you don't even recognize it. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, particularly in college. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm sure that's true. Yeah, they went different through different age groups, uh, whether grade school, high school, or college, but it's going to be, and I know, I know they have software that can tell if you're, you know, plagiarizing or whatever, but that AI is going to be completely different than that. There'll be, there'll be no staying ahead of the ability to come up with a fake paper. I don't think, or, or do your math homework and show the work and everything. Yeah. I think you'll have much more uh, in class. Uh, you know, you uh, give me three pages on this topic. What have you learned? What have you, what do you understand about this? Topic? It could actually end up being better. The idea yeah. of an emphasis on reading at home, because that's something AI can't do. I love the sound of that. Although the only way you can test if somebody read it is to ask them to regurgitate the the material, which I always hated. I despised that so often because you'd be reading, you know, some great piece of literature and I'd be like so super into the, the, the characters and the themes and the human tragedy of it and all. And then the question on the test would be when Jones went to the coffee shop, what did he order? Just to prove that you're right. right. It's like the fact that he freaking ordered coffee cake has nothing to do with the theme, which is man's inhumanity to man, <laughs> not man's inhumanity to coffee cake. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was it be that that did happen a lot where it was a trivia contest more than yeah. a understanding the overall. What's what's the point of the book? Right. Yeah. 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 That, that, that you're right. Uh, um. But so just like so many different parts of the world. Once AI gets up and running, man, teachers are going to have to, schools are going to have to completely come up with a new way of teaching kids. So let's all keep our eye on that and have a role in crafting it, I hope. Um, there's a new book out you should know about called White Sight. Oh, Re- boy. Reviewed in the Los Angeles Review of Books. Tim Sandifer says, this sort of thing is treated with respect by the gatekeepers of our culture. 
As if it says anything profound, true, or rational. In fact, it's garbage. I remember when Matt Taibbi called white fragility horse s, having reviewed it, and he's a liberal. These books yeah. are just most the, the the ones I've mentioned are just crap, divisive crap. But as Tim points and out racist. here, and racist. But as Tim points out here, the gatekeepers just love them and elevate them to a to a point of taken very very seriously. Uh, do I have time to hit you with a little bit of this one? This new book, White Sight. The General Crisis of Whiteness, a conversation with the author, who I'm not even going to name. When European colonists first arrived in the lands they would steal and plunder, they claimed that these terrains were empty and therefore available for the taking. What must have it required to see nothing or claim to see nothing when faced with such richly populated worlds without whose inhabitants they would have perished? According to visual culture theorist, the author, it requires white sight. In his new book, White Sight, Visual Politics and the Practice of Whiteness, Published by MIT Press, he explores how systems of white supremacy see and thus order the world in an unbroken history of colonialism up until the present day. Ah, right. Of course, ignoring, as we always point out, that the Native American peoples that were here and then the peoples before them that we don't really even have a history of all attacked each other and took each other's land all the time, regardless of skin color. Horrific, unthinkable violence for all of human history. Wiping out tribes left and right if you got the upper hand or came up with a better weapon. And we could extend the analysis to Africa if that would please you as well. Same story. I I tell you what, if you're working on one of these woke DEI books, I'd hurry up. I'd I'd crank that thing out fast because uh, more people getting more chance to see this stuff in action are realizing it's not only stupid, it's incredibly ugly. It's crap. And it makes everything it's worse. It's, it's crap. crap. That's right. It's crap. A great story. University of North Carolina Medical School just disbanded their DEI department and said they will be adopting none of their recommendations. Wow. While Chick-fil-A hires uh, a corporate executive to run a new DEI department. Yeah, part part of it is it's all in the execution. Depends on what you're doing, what you're saying. Uh, you know, I don't want to have a knee jerk freak out to those letters. Although ninety eight percent of the time they spell bad news. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Now, from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Uh, Armstrong and Getty. These are bad guys. That is especially true. So bizarre and so grotesque. Yup. Okay. Well, that was unnecessarily frank, but how can this show be on one hand sometimes so highbrow and yet be what it is the rest of the time? Come on. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So here's an interesting international story for you. First of all, get to know the name Li Shangfu. He's the sec def of China, if you will. They call him the defense minister there, but it's the same thing as the secretary of defense of what we got, more or less. He is a hard man. He's new. He just uh, took the job like in the last month or so, and he's the one making all these tough statements out of China lately, wearing a military outfit with lots of medals all over the chest. And he's a scary-looking dude. I mean, he just... He just he looks like a character out of a freaking movie if China and the United States were going to go to war is what he looks like. I bet that's part of the reason he got the gig. 
Anyway, there is a big conference going on in which our sec def is there, and that guy is there, Li Shang-Fu. He bluntly told the Shangri-La Dialogue Defense Conference that Beijing seeks peaceful reunification but with Taiwan, but make no promise to renounce the use of force, if necessary, to make the island democracy part of China. That's a further statement than China has made in the past. I mean, they haven't stated it as bluntly in the past at least in these kind of conversations, that we're taking Taiwan back. And he mm-hmm. went on to say, if anyone dares to separate Taiwan from China, the Chinese military will not hesitate for a second. We will fear no opponents and resolutely safeguard national sovereignty and territorial integrity, regardless of any cost. Wow. That's a freaking strong statement out of the Chinese. We're not afraid of anyone. We'll pay any price to take Taiwan because it belongs to us. Uh, Lloyd Austin said, we are stepping up plans in coordination with our friends and training to deter aggression. Wow. But okay. that, I, I can't imagine that that's not going to end up in uh, confrontation and relatively soon. But that's enough of that. Well, speaking of our frenemy, China, uh, one of the most strange and uh, tangled relationships in human history. Old Dr. Fauci, remember Anthony Fauci? Is he still in a, in his gig? What did he represent? I represent science. Oh, botany? Oh, science. Oh, wow, science. He represents all of science. So if you disagree with Fauci, you're disagreeing with science. How handy for him. Anyway, in 2021, he dismissed concerns that U.S.-funded Chinese scientists lied about performing risky gain-of-function research, calling those scientists, scientists, quote, competent and trustworthy. But now a publicly disclosed grant shows Fauci's own agency was simultaneously funding ethics training for Chinese scientists over widespread research misconduct. That's a quote. National Institutes of Health launched $300,000 grant to strengthen research integrity, uh, blah, 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 troubling instances of research misconduct, inadequate ethical review, and publication fraud at the institutions, the agency wrote in its grant description, have had a negative impact on Chinese scientists and their U.S. collaborators, and have, quote, highlighted China's underdeveloped research ethics capacity and infrastructure. Months later, he's in front of Congress saying, these are great scientists, they're competent and trustworthy. Fauci is a liar, a lying liar, who knows he is at least indirectly responsible for the deaths of millions of people. I stand by that thesis. Do you think that Let will be history be my judge? Do you think that will be the prevailing story on him at some point? It's not yet. Only on you know, like Fox and New York Post and places like that. I think when the passion slash obsession with Trump. And and how that clouded the view of journalists all over America. It just it turned them into to idiots, to people who willfully ignored the truth. When that subsides, yes, absolutely, they will say it looks as though some of the people who were in charge of our our response and dictated to the media what they're allowed to say were indeed at least afraid they were responsible for it. And they were put in charge of what is the truth and what is not. I absolutely believe that'll be the judgment of history. Well, some of you, even if we can't nail down 100% whether it was a lab leak or not. Some of you all that uh, didn't want to take the vaccine or b- believe the vaccine was bad for you or whatever have been given Robert F. Kennedy Jr. a look, who's running for president as a Democrat against Joe Biden. He is a nut job. Not necessarily this issue that I'm worried about, but he went on Mike Tyson's podcast the other day. 
Mike Tyson, the boxer, has a podcast, a video cast. Welcome, Wobbled F. Kennedy. Mr. Kennedy, tell me about the vaccines. Anyway, this is a little... Would you like to pet my tiger? It's a little bit hard to find this video because it's gotten pulled down from a number of things like YouTube or whatever. But Robert F. Kennedy Jr. laying out to Mike Tyson. (laughs) This is quite the story. Um, It's already uh, pretty good. How the CIA killed his father. So he did that on... Yesterday was the anniversary of his dad, Robert F. Kennedy Sr., being assassinated as he was running for president and likely to get the nomination. Uh, uh, Junior says the CIA killed his dad and just lays it out. I mean, it's just, it's just fact to him. You know, he, he believes the CIA had a role in killing his uh, uncle, John F., as well. You know, that I saw a list of his conspiratorial beliefs, and those actually struck me as some of the more plausible. Why would the CIA kill Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, Sr.? What was, what's the theory on that? I don't know the specifics. I just, the CIA was up to all sorts of craziness at that point in our history, as was the FBI. Uh, I just, it's just not impossible. That's all I'm saying. that. Well, okay. I'll tell you this. From having watched uh, as much of the video as I could take of him laying out the case, it's all stupid crap. He doesn't have anything good, like a decent argument about the CIA doing this or that. He's got stuff about how uh, a waiter in the back saw this, and if you look at the picture closely, you can tell that blah, blah, blah. It's just, oh, it's just man, crap so like it's that. just like amateur yeah, conspiracy yeah, theorists. Yeah, Silliness. Yeah. Yeah, he strikes me as a crackpot. But, but like, I uh, have family members who have been giving him a look, partially the vaccine stuff, partially that he's got to close the borders today. I'm president. We stop illegal immigration today, which is uh, getting a fair amount of attention also. So, Yeah, that's a great hook. Yeah. So Chris Christie said some interesting stuff in his opening uh, town hall as he's running for president that I uh, thought was pretty good. Um, and other stuff we can get to, but first something stupid. Are you following the, or have you followed the blind mystic Baba Vanga? Are you familiar with Baba Vanga? Don't know Baba Vanga's act. A blind mystic who allegedly predicted 9-11. And a lot of people follow her uh, saying, saying her, she, she. It. a lot of people follow Baba, they, them pronouns. Baba Vanga's uh, various things. Um. She died more than a quarter century ago, but many of her predictions are have are said to have come true long after her death. By, yeah, one of those by, okay. by nut jobs. Yes, it's a kind of a, a more recent Nostradamus. Her Baba Venga, wife of Baba Bowie, Howard Stern's show. Right. Her followers claim that Baba Venga foresees uh, or foresaw a devastating nuclear disaster that will unfold this year. Is said to have warned of that. Uh, so there you go. I don't know why this is getting any attention whatsoever. A blind Bulgarian woman was believed hmm. to have some sort of powers of prediction. Well, next time I'm at the dentist and they uh, put that heavy thing on me to do x-rays, uh, to cover my genitals, etc., I will steal it to prepare myself for the coming nuclear accident. Uh, one of my questions would be, uh, why has there always been, and still apparently is, an appetite for a certain segment of society for that kind of thing? What is that? Well, the the obvious answer to me is that idiot certain pers- <laughs> that's uncharitable. A certain percent of uh, percentage of humankind can't deal with the fact that it's not all preordained. We don't know what's going to happen. It's unknowable. The best we can do is look at likelihoods and blunder into the the future. And that 
that's too troubling for some people? I guess. Hmm. I don't know. I, I, since I was a kid, I've thought this stuff was hilarious. Oh, uh, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I guarantee you my children would say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why would they react that way? And some adults would uh, be interested in what Baba Vanga has to say or Nostradamus or whoever else. Right. I think at some point we'll uh, untease, untangle the entire human genome and the functioning of the brain. We'll understand it. But it's Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo, for instance, babies. Is that what she called her? uh, (laughs) Yes, Miss Cleo was victims, but she suckers. She was more of a late night. You will find love at, you know, your workplace sort of person rather than predicting nuclear disasters. Right, right. There's not much of a market for cheery Jamaican women predicting apocalypse. Yeah, more about love and sex. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, enjoy that sort of stuff if you want to. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Ross Duthat of the New York Times said this was a very troubling statistic for the future of American families. You tell me. So this is the Pew Research Center. Talking to parents. Percentage of parents saying it is blank important. That is extremely important, very important, someone important, not too important, not at all important. Okay. Percentage of parents saying it is blank important to them that their children do each of the following as adults. Now, I'm very happy to see that almost 90% of parents say it's extremely or very important that their kids be financially independent as an adult. Wow. Almost 90%. Somewhat is 10%. So you're at 98% between uh, extremely and somewhat. So almost every parent says their kid needs to be financially independent. That's that's definitely good news. Mm-hmm. And uh, same numbers roughly for have jobs or careers they enjoy. I really nice. want that for my kids. I want the first one more than the second one. If the second one can go with the first one, that's fantastic. But Earn a college degree is next on the list. 41%, extremely very. I'm not there. 32 somewhat. I suppose I'd be a somewhat for my kids. And then about a third, not too much or not at all. Kind of interesting. I feel like yeah. that number's down from previous years, but I don't know. Yeah, all three of my kids have college degrees, but um, but if one I have times are changing, and and my youngest one, the most recent, obviously, was always going to. She's just that sort of person on that sort of track. But, but if one of them, had if told I you, had to do it again, I'd be somewhat. But if one of them had told you I wasn't going to college, how bummed would you have been? Oh, uh, mm, yeah, I, I would have been a little surprised, but I would have said, all right, well, what's your plan? I mean, that's yeah, fine. There are a number of ways to attack life. Let's talk about I it. I wouldn't be bothered at all. Yeah, you know, I would be. The next question would be, what is your plan? Because you got to do something, obviously. But... I'd have screamed out of my house, you ignoramus, <laughs> and disowned them, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Write a 15-page term paper on how you can no longer live here. <laughs> so then down to the next numbers and this is where it gets to the is this troubling or not and i gotta believe these numbers were roughly 100 percent a century ago maybe even 50 years ago they're not 100 percent now they're 20 percent always have to remind ourselves 50 years ago was 1973 yeah parents pride uh percentage of parents saying it is blank important to them that their children get married only one out of five say extremely important. Only one out, or, or have children. Only one out of five. I gotta believe. I don't know, but I'm guessing that if you went back a hundred years, it'd be like the same numbers as that other stuff. Like ninety percent of parents would say, "Yeah, it's extremely important that my kids get married hmm. as adults and have children as adults." And now it's the smallest number. Do they have uh, what's the Roughly extremely half. and very? Well, roughly half, I guess this is, I, I probably did this backwards. When we do this for real, this is the rehearsal. When we do this for real, I will do this in a different way. Okay. Roughly half of parents say not at all or not too much. It's just not really that important to roughly half of parents at all mm. for your kids to get married or have children, which is interesting. Ross Dufat says that's a very troubling view of the future of American families. That it is not a priority at all. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think the children think those are two very different questions. 
Um, I want all of my kids to be married and have happy marriages. I want that a great deal for them. Um, as, as life goes on, your looser associations, um, they're just not the same. Um, the kids thing is a very individual thing. Well, I'll say, uh, I'll be the controversial one though. I, uh, I find yes. for me, uh, the only meaning in life that has existed for me is having children. I just, I, I don't, I don't see much point without having kids. So I really, really want my kids to have kids for their own benefit. I think it'll make their lives much more meaningful and enjoyable. Doesn't have to be that way for everybody, but I believe that for me and I do believe it for my kids. That's not what most people believe according to this. Clearly. So I'm an outlier. I'm in the wrong. Yeah. So give me the percentages again for having kids. Um, almost half are not at all or not too much for both getting married and having kids. Yeah, see, I have three kids, and it varies completely. My kid? Uh, Yeah, I'll be heartbroken if uh, one or two of my kids don't have kids, but Kate, my kid who's on the autism spectrum, is overwhelmed by life. It would surprise me very, very much if she ever had kids, and she has no plans to, which I think is fine. Yeah, well, that would be one of those, like we always talk about, if it doesn't apply to you, it doesn't apply to you sort of situations. Well, no. It's a different, but, slightly different but, situation. Well, no, no, it's not. This you don't is, think so? N- no, because we're talking about percentages. I'm pointing out that, in my case, 33% of my children know I'm definitely not answering. Uh, yes, it's very important. Hmm, that's funny. I wasn't even thinking of it as a them as individuals. I was just thinking of it in general. Oh, in general, I mean, if you're going to make a general guideline, yeah, I'm with you completely. Hmm. Um, but no, I just, no, not everybody's cut out to have kids. Um, what do you, what do you think about my guess about the numbers a hundred years ago or 50 years ago? Oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Isn't it'd be something? very, very high. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a sea change, as they say. Well, it's, it's really, it's interesting that. And there's a whole bunch of categories like this that our attitudes have changed so much. I mean, so if it's gone from like 90 to 100%, like I'm guessing it was 50 years ago, down to 20, that's a, there are major ramifications to the struggle, to everything in society. Absolutely yeah. everything. The economy, crime, obviously, just everything you can think of. Taxes, social programs, government policy, transportation, everything. Foreign policy, war, all, all kinds right. of different things. Um, uh, and nobody ever talks about this stuff. I mean, cause that's a major change in the way we look at the world and, uh, and don't hardly ever talk about it. I was reading a piece of uh, thinking the other day. It was a piece of writing. You can't read thinking, per se, but I was reading some buddies thinking that they put in writing uh, that uh, posited that, indeed, all the jabbering about the U.S., Europe, the China century, blah, 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 needs to shut up. It's Africa. It's all about Africa 50 years from now. Their populations are booming. They're exploding. They're growing like crazy. Their economies are heading straight up. Now, granted, they got nowhere to go but up, uh, but it's clearly Africa that's going to drive the conversation in 50 years. Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I, I, read, I took in a great podcast a while back where there's a bunch of thinkers talking about the, uh, you know, the, the, the drop in birth rate and families not getting together and all that sort of stuff and how that's going to affect our politics. There is a different way you're likely viewing the world if you don't have kids. Because you're, 
I mean, you might be a super generous, care about humanity thing sort of person. And, mm-hmm. you know, want the future to be bright for America and all that without kids. That, that makes sense. But it ain't the same as you actually have kids that are going to be alive in this world for the decades after you're dead. You might think it is, but it's not. Right. And um, so if it's just you while you're here and you can actually say, I've heard Bill Maher say on his show a bunch of times, I'll be dead by then. What do I care? Well, yeah, I care because my kids are going to be like. When they're my age, I don't want them to live in a country where, you know, we're completely broken under the thumb of China, for instance. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, another reason Africa is going to be ascendant in 50 years is they have way, way more elephants than we do. I mean, the elephant imbalance is it's not even close. And not talked about. Hardly at no. all. Right. The E factor, as I refer to it. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.